pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Links and Locks podcast. Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. (laughs) Winner, winner, chicken dinner. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network's golf betting podcast presented by Bet365. I'm your host, Roberto Arguello, and I'll be joined alongside Nick Bretwish and Spencer Aguiar this week to break down the Wells Fargo Championship live from Quail Hollow Club. Guys, welcome into this week's tournament. Without further ado, let's get right to it. Spencer, I know you've got one bet this week. What is your best bet? for the Wells Fargo championship. Yeah, so I'm going to take Steven Yeager minus 120 over Andrew Putnam in a head-to-head matchup. All right, starting off with a shot on Yeager. Nick, what's your best bet this week? I'm going to climb up the board a little bit, get a little more aggressive than usual. Taylor Moore, top 20, uh, plus 320. Oh, you know I love some Taylor Moore. I'm excited to get into these. Uh, I'm not giving out any bets this week, unfortunately. I'm doing PJ Tour Live. I'll be on the featured whole streams. So I'll just be here to get into more of the analysis from Nick and Spencer and add in any thoughts I've got. But Spencer, let's break down why you're going with Jaeger over Putnam this week. So I think it's been noted on a lot of these shows recently, and sometimes it's worked out, sometimes it hasn't. But I've been much lower than consensus on Andrew Putnam during his, I would say, this year in general. But you want to look at what he's done recently, five of his last six, he's made the cut. I do think the form looks suitable for a golfer that has had a quality 2023, but it's one of those answers that the current state of his game is probably being outweighed by the course specific fit that does look to be a problem for his outlook this week from a long-term perspective. I will include last year's result, even though it wasn't at this course to help highlight why he hasn't landed inside the top 40 at this tournament in his career through four tries. Uh, that's a problem for all the course history people that like to boost profiles because of past results at a venue. But not only do I think it's being marginally ignored here against the golfer and Jaeger that does have credible top 30 potential in this field. But I also think that when you look at this from a statistical profile, there's a lot that is highly questionable in my model for Putnam this week. So he ranked 133rd for me in weighted T to green. That was a total that placed 58 spots below his baseline. 
And then the weighted total driving landed a paltry 149th out of 156 golfers this week. I just don't know if the skill set is going to be able to allow a top end finish for him. It's one of the reasons why, like I said, I mean, you can use the three examples here that he's played historically. And if you want to add last year's, I mean, there's no thing inside, nothing inside the top 40 for him at this tournament. And I really think it comes down to the reduction that he has in driving distance, the long iron proximity. He loses some of the advantages that he has with his short game in various areas of the way that this course is built. So uh, I kind of have been a really bullish, like, a lot of my stances have been extremely bullish on Jaeger most of these tournaments. And uh, it, to me, it's kind of one of those perfect examples where not only can I get a player that I want to fade in Andrew Putnam, but then I can also grab a player like Jaeger who, I mean, I don't know where you guys have him ranked or what you guys think of him this week, but I do think Jaeger is a legitimate top 30, top 35 sort of option in this field. And when I'm looking at Andrew Putnam, who's outside the top 75 for me, and all of a sudden, you know, like my math has this closer to the minus 145, minus 150 range. There's just enough value for me to be able to punch that ticket at 120. Nick, I know you've been on Jaeger quite a bit this year. What I'm do you in. think about Spencer's bet I'm this in. week? Absolutely, I'm in. I love it. You're going to have to text me offline to find out uh, what shop that's at. But absolutely, I'm working on that. Anything for the, for the German hangar. We talk about him every week. <laughs> I'm going back every time. And I do think it's a great course for him. Yeah. So, Spencer, I know that... A few weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago, we talked about the Valspar Championship, and you were really bullish on Jaeger there. He finished T27. I think he was really close to, if not holding the outright lead in the first round. In that tournament, of course, not only did you have some money on Jaeger in some um, ladder bets or uh, escalators, but you also had some more exposure up the board to Taylor Moore. Nick, you're going back to Taylor Moore this week at another course like Innisbrook, where long iron play is paramount. Why do you have uh, Taylor Moore in, at uh, top 20? I love the course comp of Innisbrook, too. Obviously, I was going to I was gonna mention that. But, um, you know, it, it's one of the more heavy weeks where people play a ton in the course history. But again, like Taylor Moore is in such great form right now. And you look at guys, I, I think the last time 2021 it played out here, Victor Hoblin was a debutant. I think he finished tied third. Matt Wallace had a hell of a, a finish too. JJ Spawn. The guys like Victor and Matt Wallace were in such good form, very similar to what Taylor Moore is doing right now. If you're just looking at it on paper, it looks like he's on a very good path. Like iron play was it's not Victor Hoblin in 2021. I mean, he's never going to be an iron player like Victor Hoblin. Not many ever will be, but game strokes there significantly off the tee. Game strokes there and out of the last 11. He's obviously a very, very good putter. And it's like weekend, the putter here could do wonders for his finish. But inside the top 20, I usually don't like to go that short just because the odds of dead heat are a lot higher. So I would have loved to get this on the top 40 mark. It's just not really available at the price that I was looking for, but I did have this price at plus 275. So to get plus 320, I will take a guy that I've been riding pretty much all year long in the, the young hot form right now of Taylor Moore. I'm all for it with that long iron play. Like you mentioned. I think we're all pretty bullish on Taylor Moore here on this podcast. So every week, check out his odds, see if you can find some value maybe before people like us hit it and steam it down. Fellas, let's get into the course preview for this week at quail hollow club of course the wells fargo was at tpc potomac last year as quail hollow was preparing to host the president's cup so the last time we saw this tournament at quail hollow was in 2021 
where Rory McIlroy, who is at the top of the odds board this week, won the title. He's won three times here. But Spencer, you want to get into what you're most valuing this week at Quail Hollow? Sure. So, I mean, I think the venue is relatively straightforward in what is being asked of the field on every shot. I I guess there would be two things I'd give there, long iron proximity and driving distance. Those are the two metrics that if any golfer can use that to their advantage this week, those are going to be factors that are going to be able to propel them up the leaderboard. The average tee shot goes 16 yards further than a baseline total at a standard course on tour. Part of that reason stems from this venue being over 7,500 yards. It's a par 71. Like that alone turns this into a driver heavy stop. But really, it comes down to the second part of this answer. And like all challenging venues, which this one is, approach shots will be asked, at at least from a very top-notch quality, if you want to avoid trouble from the 10 holes that feature a 20 to 35% bogey or worse rate. We have seven locations here where water will come into play. It's a tree-lined parkland that gives you that undulation that you often see from Fazio reconstructions. I guess like the one thing I'd like to note to that is none of that suggests that scoring is going to be impossible. We do usually see the winning score here somewhere between eight to 12 under par, depending on exactly how it plays. But I think more than anything, it just indicates a very repetitive nature for the players. If they want to succeed, like essentially if you can be distance plus and you can use your driver to a benefit, and then you're going to be able to propel from those second shot distances And, you know, you get this firm and fast nature of the surface that kind of makes it tough to stop shots on the greens. Like those two things are really at the end of the day, what you want more than anything. And, you know, you can make an answer that when you look at around the green, there's a 4% reduction in GIR percentage. You know, maybe you want to look at that, but I really think it's easy up and downs for most of these players. Uh, I kind of underweighted it when I looked at that. Like I'd rather find high GIR rates and kind of reduce it on the back end of the around the green. Because if you look at players like, you know, I'll throw two out here, just players that have found success in their one time playing it, a Victor Hovland, a Cameron Young, that's kind of that prototypical good ball strikers that have been able to get around this course by using that ball striking to their advantage here. And then on the back end of it, the around the green game doesn't necessarily become as, I guess, paramount to them dropping down the leaderboard just because, it is easier to get up and down. And, you know, yes, it's a fast and firm surface. There's going to be some three putt avoidance that you're going to have to try to get around there. But players can putt from off the surfaces in a lot of these spots. I I do think it's kind of one of those courses to where I always give this answer about Victor Hovland when we're in this position, when you can remove that ability from him having to chip every single time, kind of just boost the stock all the way up. So I, I guess to simplify that answer, it's distance, it's long iron proximity, and it's just like having some ability around the green to be able to save it, like give me GIR percentage, a high GIR percentage over anything else. Nick, anything to add to that? No, I, my model's very similarly built this week. I did put a little heavier emphasis on on putting and obviously the strokes hand off the tee as we see year in, year out at this event. That's usually what gets it done. And the lower scoring venues, um, you know, that's probably why Rory wins so much here because it's not a birdie fest. It is a tougher track. So I uh, overall, I will always second what Spencer says. His course breakdown is always pretty much what builds the numbers for mine. So I'm all for it. I think it's, uh, you know, well put. And I just wanted to emphasize a little bit more of what I'm doing off the tee. So I do want guys that can put themselves in position, um, not necessarily be an absolute bomber like the Cam Young, the Rory and guys like that. But if you're long enough, but I do want accuracy off the tee a little bit as well here. 
Yeah, I think if you're in the top half of my model in distance, like I, I was fine with that because I had enough weight from the proximity from, I mean, I, I ran it mostly from 150 plus yards. I would say it's more like 175 plus that you want to be looking for. But if you can just be, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I said like kind of like distance plus on it. Like if you're in that range where you are out of 156 players, if you're like in the top 50 or 60, I still think there's ways to find success here. It's just distance is always going to be an advantage at the end of the day. And I like what Nick said about the putting. Uh, I did add a little bit more putting here than I normally do. Also, I ran it with, you know, a fast Bermuda surface and three putt avoidance and kind of these other like funky ways of going about it with it. But uh, I, I did put a little bit more than I usually do there. And I think that that's worth noting. Yeah, I mean, Brian Harmon tears this place up. So as much as people want to talk about distance, you know, you know, my thoughts on Brian Harmon. So obviously I had to factor that into my my uh discussions here but i am excited to talk about the outright part though because there's one guy i love a ton that i haven't liked all year long so guys you mentioned the distance and nine of the 11 par fours here at quail hollow are at least 449 yards on the scorecard and then all four of the par threes are at least 184 yards when played from the back tee box so there's another reason why you guys are emphasizing such long iron play and distance off the tee um Harmon's had success here I also think he had, has a win at the Wells Fargo when it wasn't at Quail Hollow as well uh but he's a guy who pops up randomly as well um Nick you have some outright plays this week want to get us started with your card there absolutely all right so obviously number one I as much as I like Taylor Moore I did have to fire at 90 to 1 my numbers got him at 88 to 1 so very minimal value um, just kind of a homer pick there. Uh, Ricky Fowler at 41. My numbers had him at 30 flat, which is pretty alarming. That's a guy that I really have never wanted to back pretty much all season long, unless it's in a placement market. But I do think his game sets up perfectly here. He's also had success here. So a little bit of course history to back that one up. Um, I took a little sprinkle on Tommy Fleetwood at 60 to one. My numbers had 55. So a little bit of value there. And then my favorite play, I do think, this guy wins it all. I think it's going to be my one and done. I know the iron play is not exactly, you know, if you're using larger sample size, it's not going to look as sexy, but just recent form and what he's done at courses like Innisbrook in the past. And Spencer mentioned the fast Bermuda greens. Do you guys want to take a guess at who my favorite outright pick is? He is larger than 30 to one. So that is my hint other than Bermuda. Is it Sam Burns? It is Sam Burns. He is my, uh, my favorite play this week. He's going to be my one and done play this week. I hope it doesn't uh, <laughs> burn in my face, but I just couldn't get anybody shorter than 30 to one that I really like. Like he now obviously looks great and we know he kind of gets hot and wins in bunches, but I don't think this is, you know, I'm not going to take him some 20 to one. I really don't think I like anybody except 20 to one. Rory off the layoff and you know, obviously what he did from the next was not good, but I don't know. Sure. I'm not taking him sub 10 to one. Xander, I always want to bet, but can't do that. So. Sam Burns is the shortest player I'm taking at 33 to one. And then the bomb of the week for me, I don't understand what exactly my numbers loved about him. I mean, I guess he's a overall decent player and you know, the, the short runoffs can help us around the green play a little bit, but Hayden Buckley, my numbers like Hayden Buckley a lot. So I took him at 182. I think anytime you get an off the tee venue and Hayden Buckley, Hayden Buckley. It, it at least <laughs> makes sense with that. Like it, it's really interesting when I run numbers on him because he's horrible in every facet of his game almost. And then when you look at the off the tee stuff, it's always really enticing with that. So, um, you know, I, I don't have any outright wagers and 
I, I, you know, I, I think there's a couple things that Nick said though, that was, would be very interesting there. So to me, the three players that I would probably have considered most heavily would have been Fleetwood Hatton and Sam Burns. Um, I have to be honest, though, like I kind of gave the same answer last week where I thought Finau was going to win the event and I just didn't think he was bettable at the price. I have a weird feeling we might be in the same spot here where Rory wins this tournament and I can't necessarily get there at the number. But as you guys know, like it was proven at the Masters, my model seems to be so bullish on Rory every single week that it gets him into the six to one price range to where like anything out there is kind of doable. But I just don't want to be in a spot where I have a full unit of exposure on an outright bet. So like when that happens, I typically would rather just not bet or bet it from an in-tournament perspective. I, I think Sungjae was an interesting play. If Sungjae could have floated out to in the 30s, I would have bet him there. I, I couldn't get there at these prices that we're seeing right now. And, you know, if maybe throughout the week at some point he does get into the 30s and then it's a whole different ball game there. But kind of just a wait and see approach for me. And I don't know if like I end up betting this on Wednesday night when somebody drifts or a Thursday bet, you know, on a player like Sungjae or Fleetwood or one of those names that I said. But uh, just to touch on one thing really quickly, Roberto, before we move on from this completely, because you mm -hmm. discussed this being a, a lot of the yardage comes from the par fours from that 450 plus range. And just to give some players for everybody out there, because I do think it's important. I won't run through all of them, but I think there's kind of a reason why all these guys pop in the model. So uh, from I ran a weighted model from 450 to 500 to figure out who would be the most likely scorers from that range. Rory, number one, Cantlay, number two, Finau, number three, Hovland, number four, and Sungjae, number five. You guys bring up a lot of interesting names. First off, I'll, I'll start in like chronological, chronological order. Hayden Buckley. Elite skill set off the tee, super accurate, but also really long. That makes a lot of sense. Sam Burns, very different type of player, but also an elite skill set with those with his strength on the Bermuda grass greens. We saw that come to fruition at Austin Country Club for the match play. And then Sung J M, a guy who's really accurate off the tee, not as long as most of the other elite players at the top of the odds board, but a guy who can really do everything else outside of having really long distance off the tee. For my money, I think that if the Zurich Classic of New Orleans was uh, an individual tournament, he would have won that week. And I'm worried about him winning this week when I'm not allowed to bet because I said a few months ago that some JM is going to win one of these events very soon. Um, we talked about Tony Finau last week and his strokes gain data being really impressive and he's going to win soon and now he wins. Not at a number we were going to bet, but Sung JM really has my attention this week, especially after... He was so impressive at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans and had to take last week off to recover for his back because he was carrying Keith Mitchell the whole way around New Orleans. But we'll see how he does here in Charlotte. Once again, John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler, the guys, the two best players in the world right now, not playing this week. So maybe that opens the, up, opens the door a little bit for some of these other guys because I believe there have been seven designated events so far, and those two have combined to win five of them, which... Doesn't seem very fair, but just shows how ridiculously great they've been playing so far this season. Fellas, do you have any other bets on your cards this week, or can we get straight into our rapid fire and discuss some of the other players that uh, are relevant this week? I don't. Um, I guess the one thing I would say to what you just said, Roberto, is I feel like we've had a propensity on this show to where we have been ahead of the market on a lot of these players. Like we did it with Scheffler during the fall last year and we knew wins were coming. And unfortunately, all of a sudden when the wins came, they were at numbers that were unbettable. Uh, we have been very high 
on Finau. Like it's one of those spots where something had to turn around. I, I kept giving that answer over and over again. And it was just so hard to bet him at the price that he was last weekend. It's the same answer now that I'm going to give to Sungjae. It's he's the number one player in my model when I ran this for projected weighted scoring. Uh, you know, you could say some of the other things here maybe are, you know, I mean, he's inside the top 10 for me pretty much in every single area that I ran this week. And you could say that there are golfers in this field that have more upside in, in certain facets of their game, but it's like that steady approach at a course where it's going to be difficult to score. That's the Sung JM approach for how he wins a golf tournament. And I think there's a real reason why he's popping in my model to be the number one projected weighted scoring option here. So I really hope at some point, like obviously I'm not helping myself by giving this answer right now on the show, but I really hope at some point this does end up drifting to 30 to one, even if that's from a live bet after one hole, if he bogeys the first hole and I can get on in on him at some number, because uh, he was the player that I kind of wanted the most and. I just can't do it at the 25 to one prices that I see. That was going to be my question, Spencer, is what is the number you're looking for? Is it 30 flat would be the, the shortest you're willing to go? Because I, I might model does like him a lot too. It's got him at 22 and a half to one. So let's just say 23 for easy math. And for me, anybody sub 30, I would want, you know, a lot. Yeah, I'd say at least five to six points of value on that number like I had with Burns. So I think Sanjay probably right around 30 does make a lot of sense. If I if I know you, like I think I know you, I, I guess that'd be the probably the shortest you're willing to go then on Sanjay. Yeah, if push came the shove with it, and I know I'm not getting a number anywhere else, I would bite the bullet at 30 and go in there. Because I, I typically, when we're going down like this low on the board, I, I also want like six, seven, eight points of value in this spot. And it's usually difficult to get. That's why we don't go up to the top of the board very often here. So uh, we'll see with Sungjae. I haven't seen people on him necessarily, and you always hope for a drift with that, but I, I don't know. It's like I the one thing I've noticed in these markets recently, everybody drops in price and nobody ever raises, and then you turn 160% aggregated hold percentage market into like 180% market, and just you can't ever get in on anybody. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most, when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. You're preaching the choir, Spencer. It's frustrating <laughs> to see those types of hold percentages. and uh... no, It's terrible again. Mm. All right, I do have two more bets if you want to hear them real quick. Okay, let's hear them, Nick. All right, I do want your guy. Actually, I don't even... If your opinion's negative, I don't want to hear it. If it's positive, <laughs> I would like to hear more support on it. But I'm going to take Taylor Moore over Matt Kuchar in a matchup at minus 110 each way there. I'm going to go to the Taylor Moore side. 
Um, I did take Hayden Buckley top 40 on bet 365 at plus 160. I broke my own rule there. I wanted to get plus 180, so I get 30 points of value there. I'm right around plus 145, plus 150. I just have a feeling about Hayden Buckley this week. So thoughts on Taylor Moore over Kuchar, if they're positive only. And then um, do, 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 what was that one? Hayden Buckley top 40 on bet 365 there. What was the price on uh, Moore over Kuchar? Minus 110. I like that a lot. I think he's right. a better like player. A I think it's, a, it's a great sell high spot for Kucher, especially with him being off for, I think, three weeks. I, I think it's a coin yeah. flip. That would be my answer. Like, I lean the Taylor Moore side. Um, yeah, just mute him. Just mute him. Yeah. <laughs> nah, not that I, didn't, I didn't say I hated it, though. <laughs> it's supposed to say it's a lock and then hit it again. I, like, we'll leave it at that, I guess. I mean, there are two golfers <laughs> that are inside the top 40 for me when it comes to safety this week. Because if you look at Kucher, his last three events, all top 20 finishes, but one of them was the match play where he actually lost strokes on approach. And then another one was the RBC Heritage, which is a very different track than this one, where driving distance not really relevant. And you can use a lot of course knowledge, I think, there with the placement um, off the tee. It's a good track for him. It's absolutely. It's a a track track that... That Webb Simpson had success in. So, of course, you know, guys like Kucher and Harmon are, are going to pop there, too. This is a different beast. I don't think this is meant for modern-day Cooch, especially when you're going up against a new rising star in Taylor. Well, the, the one answer I'll give to that, like, outside of both of them being inside the top 40 for me, like, I think if you're running, and this isn't what the answer is, unfortunately, like, upside does not win the day in a head-to-head matchup. But I think if you're running this for upside, like, I want absolutely nothing to do with Matt Kucher this week. There's... I mean, he's 27th for me when you look at strokes gain T to green over to your perspective. When I run it specifically for this course, he's 95th. I guess it just comes down to that head-to-head answer to where like 110 kind of feels. And that's not to say that like if I think Taylor Moore should be minus 110, I think he should be the favorite. I mean, obviously you have like these whole percentages in all these markets that juice it up. So like the casinos can have a little bit of their edge here. So I I do think it should be one of those spots to where it should be like a minus 110 plus 110 situation. So it feels like a flat fair price to me that you're getting on Moore. So I don't like dislike it for that reason. It just, it feels like a a virtual coin flip at the price is is all I'm going to say. That doesn't mean it's going to lose. Like I picked the Taylor Moore side, uh, everything aside on it. One last thing to add on that. With this being a designated event, you'll see some players on the PGA Tour and throughout the season uh, with designated events, guys who are marquee players who don't normally play certain tournaments playing them this year. That's the case with Matt Kuchar. He hasn't played in a PGA Tour run event at Quail Hollow since 2010. They play there basically every year. Uh, He did play in the 2017 PGA Championship where he finished in a tie for ninth. But before that, in five starts, nothing better than a T62 and three missed cuts in six total events here at Quail Hollow. If we're reading between the lines, that tells me that he doesn't necessarily love this golf course or it doesn't fit into his schedule or he doesn't prioritize it. I think that's something that's a positive for Nick in this bet. I love that. That's a great, uh, great plug. So like last week, I'm probably... A little too heavy on one guy. Um, it was Kevin Roy last week. It worked out. It's going to be Taylor Moore this week. So that's uh, that's my guy this week. Shout out to, t- to Kevin Roy cashing those top 40 bets. Uh, tailed that what one as guy. well. And one of those guys that we targeted at Innisbrook because of the long iron play, and he came through for us. So hopefully the long iron targets continue to come through for us. And as a reminder, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365 the world's favorite sportsbook brand. 
Sign up with promo code ACTION, that's A-C-T-I-O-N, to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia in the U.S. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, fellas, any final bets that you've made or that you're considering that you'd like to bring up before we get into our rapid fire round? Let's get into it. All right, let's dive in. So we'll do this from an outright perspective. So maybe if one of these guys is making a charge up the leaderboard at some point this weekend, we'll have a little bit more ammunition for you on how our guys think about them, about these players and their potential upside here at Quail Hollow. So I'll give you a player uh, or two or three, and you tell me which ones you'd rather have an outright ticket on given that they have the same price. Let's go with Xander Shoffley and Tony Finau. I'll start with you, Spencer, because I think I know where, where Nick leans on this. Xander for me. I I, I love Tony Finau. I, I've made the statement that I think he's going to be the number one player in the world at some point. I don't know if we're going to actually get there, but uh, this feels like the perfect course for Xander. Nick, same Next question. Yeah, <laughs> Next right. question. It's always Xander right. for me. Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth? I will go with Justin Thomas. I mean, we we know his history here at Quell Hollow. I do think he is steadily improving his game. Like he's very boomer bust at the end of the day, but at some point, I, I at least believe, and I mean, I think historically we know he's going to turn it around. If it's going to happen, this is a really good venue. I, I do like Jordan Spieth a little bit this week also, but I think if we're talking about winning the tournament. I'll go with Justin Thomas. I'm going to go Jordy there. I I am a big believer in when Jordy's game is right, it is right. And I feel like it's getting better and better every single week so that he's, you know, one of the best players. Obviously, that's not going out on the whim to say that. But when he goes on runs and his game is right, he tears up the PGA Tour. I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth and make uh, JT beat me. I know we've seen some different numbers from Justin Thomas than we've seen in the past with him struggling a little bit lately. What do you guys make Justin Thomas to win this tournament uh, as far as your odds? And what would you have to have to bet him potentially? What price would you have to bet him? I have him right now at 26 to 1. I would need, you know, like Sanjay, over 30, probably 32 to take a splash there. But I have Jordan Spieth at 20 flat. So I'm going with my numbers. And obviously, every book's going to have Jordy a little bit shorter than Justin Thomas. But again, when Jordy's on, he's on. I'm just a firm believer in that. I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I don't care what course he's playing to with how creative he is. Scrambling is going to matter a little bit here. That's That's his game. I would probably, it's probably a very similar answer that I gave with Sungjae. I'd probably take a 30 flat if if I could get it. I think in a in a head-to-head matchup, like if the question was posed differently, I would give a slight lean to Jordan Spieth over Thomas. I think that's the volatility that we're talking about here. But um, I, I think Thomas is about to break out at some point again soon. I think so too. It's going to be interesting to find when the right time is to buy the dip on his price. We'll see if we get some more indications on his approach game play, being a little bit better um, in the coming weeks as he looks to defend his PGA championship in two weeks. Back to the rapid fire. Cameron Young or Colin Morikawa? Young for me. I, I'm not a Morikawa guy. Like I, I, It takes a lot for me to say Morikawa, so I, I'm going to say Cameron Young. Victor Hovland or Matt Fitzpatrick? I, I, I will say... Fitzpatrick. What's the reasoning there? I, I was really surprised of how he graded in my model. So I, I think from like, it's kind of a very similar answer that I just gave talking about Spieth and Thomas. I think if you're talking about safety here, Hovland is arguably the safest player on the board. I know sharp markets really like him this week. I've seen that price just crumbling. Uh, 
I ran a lot of distance. I ran a lot of weighted proximity from 150 plus yards. Both of those two things are not the Matthew Fitzpatrick special. And he still happened the grade inside the top seven for me for win equity. So uh, there's a lot of things that pushed him in the right direction there. I mean, it's going to be the scrambling. It's going to be some of the bogey avoidance he has. I think anytime you get these courses where it's like 10 under par or less, his upside starts shooting through the roof. So I, I think yeah. it's it kind of just comes down to fast Bermuda and hard, difficult courses to score. And that's what saved him in the model. And that kind of propelled him into the top seven. So in 2019, a player on his third year on the PGA Tour came to this tournament at Quail Hollow, did not have a single top five finish in his two and a half years on the PGA Tour. He won this tournament and he's been a member of the PGA Tour since and he skyrocketed up into the top 10 or into the top 20 of the official world golf rankings recently and into the top 10, I believe, this year as well. That fella goes by the name of Max Homa. Would you rather have him this week or Jason Day on your outright card? Go ahead, Spencer. Uh, I will. You guys can mute my mic in post-production here, but Uh I'll say Max Homa. Wow. What? Yeah. Why, why do you like him this week? I, I don't know. I mean, it's another one of those spots where I know markets, at least of the sharper variety, do not like Homa. And the current form's been just absolutely putrid from him. He, I mean, it was kind of the same thing that you were talking about with Sung Jay and Keith Mitchell. I, I think Morikawa carried him and they couldn't even make it into the cut. So, uh, you know, the last three results we've seen from Homa have kind of been shaky. I'm willing to at least overlook it because... You know, it's a tough stretch of golf for these guys. These elevated events have thrown in a bunch of golf for them back to back to back. And I think he probably got a little burnt out at the Masters. Um, we saw it then at the RBC Heritage where he missed the cut. And then he goes and he plays the the team contest at the Zurich. And all of a sudden, you know, he kind of like falls flat on his face again. But I like him at these courses where you can look at these weighted tee to green. Like he's a very complete player at this point of his career. He has positive trajectory in my model for the distance that I'm waiting for this. Like he's not low enough on it to where it takes him off. The approach play is really good. He's one of the steadier golfers across the board for me. And I think with day, like if we're running this for safety, I prefer day in that sense, but until he wins a golf tournament, like I don't know how much more money I can lose on the guy at this point. I've bet him for three straight years and he doesn't win a golf tournament ever. So I just have to make him beat me at some point. And uh, I mean, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to secretly go bet this after the show and go running into some back alley trying to make the wager here. But I also don't want to keep giving that answer on every single show when there is negative trajectory in the model, at least. But I don't have a problem with him. I mean, he's a top 15 golfer, I would say, in the world at this point. How about you, Nick? I was going to go on Max Homa thinking Spencer was going to go Jason Day. But yeah, just exactly the same reason he said the the win equity. Sure, he's a top, you know, a walking top 15 these days. But again, I mean, Jason Day, sub 30 to one in a very, very good field just doesn't seem right. Again, I'm I'm with Spencer, like make him beat me at those numbers. I'll take Max Helma. I know, again, I, I think the answer there is everybody's going to fade Max Helma in every single market of any sort of golf this week. And I'm okay with going back there. He's still, you know, despite the struggles, one of the best long iron players in golf. And we talked about that enough. I'm, I'm going to go Max Helma. I think it's remarkable how he's gone from a player who was one of the worst on the PGA tour for two different years, went down on the corn Ferry tour, came back and now is really solid all throughout his game, really no weakness in his game. And if you have a chance to look at his spider charts, as far as strokes gain goes on data golf, it looks like he's just growing 
uh, a web out there with how he's rapidly improved every single year. Um, I don't think he's going to stay in this rut of his game for too long. Interested to see him this week, uh, among others. Let's get back to the rapid fire. Would you rather have Sahit Digala or Tom Kim on your card? I'll start with you, Nick. Tom Kim. Uh, I do respect Tigala. I've just never really ever backed him. I think the number's still a little too short. Um, and Tom Kim, I, I know it's, again, people are going to talk about distance off the tee and everything like that, which I do recognize as being very important. But the long irons and the accuracy that he provides off the tee, I think will set him up in really good spots. And I think he's a guy that just doesn't make a lot of errors. So if when these, I, I guess it's a higher scoring event, right? The the winning total should be, you know, right around 12 or below. I think that's somewhere that Tom Kim should be perfect for. I think it's very close between both of them. Um, my initial inclination was to say, say Tom Kim. I, and, I, and I do think from a, a DFS perspective, nobody's going to want to play him. And he makes a much better play for that reason. But I guess I'll go with Sahith. Um, this feels like a really good course for him and he's going to pop and win at some point. I don't know if it's going to be in one of these elevated events, but I, I always like these courses that kind of allow you to get away with a little bit more off the tee. And we know Sahith needs that wiggle room off the tee. It's an adventure watching him kind of like watching a Jordan Spieth round sometimes. How about Corey Connors or Shane Lowry? Uh, I will go once again. I mean, they are, they are neck and neck in my model. They're 23 and 24 overall. They're both inside the top 25 for women equity. I guess I'll take Shane Lowry, um, but I say that very hesitantly. Like it, it is it is a virtual coin flip for me. I I hate the question. I have <laughs> I have Corey Connors at 44 to 1 and Shane Lowry at 49 to 1. So I will go Corey Connors. Something about Shane's game just I don't know. I I would say Shane is safer, but when equity wise, obviously Corey Connors proximity can go through the roof and just attack flags all weekend long if he gets hot there and avoid the the poor putting. But I, I'll i go Corey Connors for win equity, but Lowry for safety. So a coward answer of both sides. I think Bet365 has that exact matchup if you do have an opinion out there on it and you want to go <laughs> make that wager. Don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> recommend anybody to do it, but it is an option at Bet365 if uh, you do like one of those two sides. How about a guy who was sub 20 to 1 last week, Wyndham Clark, He's at 71 this week. Would you have an outright on him, Keegan Bradley, or Gary Woodland? I'm going to go with Keegan Bradley. Um, I would probably put it in the order of Keegan, Woodland, and Clark. How about you, Nick? I would go Clark, Keegan, Woodland. I think people are going to be off Clark this week after uh, you know a relatively large letdown, especially in the DFS community last week. He did make the cut, but did not do much with it. I don't think this is a nice course for Wyndham Clark. I'll go with him. I think it's a nice course for Clark too. And he still gained strokes on approach last week. He's just kind of in a machine there, even though it wasn't an, a spectacular week for him last week. Uh, driver kind of let him down a little bit, it looks like. All right, guys, final rapid fire question. Would you rather have an outright ticket on Davis Riley, Siwoo Kim, or Taylor Montgomery this week? I will go with Siwoo Kim. I, I feel like that's another player on this show that I am much more aggressive on <laughs> than the general public. And didn't work during the last start at the RBC Heritage, but I generally think Siwoo's turned it around recently. Um, like we used to know him as this highly volatile golfer that would miss a lot of cuts and was all over the place, but 
it's kind of the same answer I'd give to Thagala in some ways, where I think both of those players are a little bit steadier. Like they may be erratic in their parts of the game and they're all over the place on the course, but they're providing top 40 finishes week in and week out. And I know we need more than that if we're talking about winning this golf tournament, but there's a lot to like about Siwoo from a statistical perspective. I'm going to go Siwoo with the, uh, the progress we've seen in the putting all year. I think this is a better year for him to play Quail Hollow. A few of those guys are already winners. We know Siwoo over at the Sony Open and then Davis Riley picking up his first ever win at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. Huge made putt from off the green to seal that one on the 71st hole. Fellas, before we get out of here and get ready for the Wells Fargo Championship, tell us where we can find your work this week. We'll start with you, Spencer. Yes. So as always, you can find my Wednesday article that I put together over here on Action Network. Been on a little bit of run on some of these in-tournament matchups here recently, so hopefully we can keep it hot um, in that sense there. Obviously, it's a very minimal card that I have at the end of the day, so I I don't know how many units I'm going to get up to when it's all said and done. Right now, I have 1.2 to win one on Jaeger over Putnam, and that's all I have currently in the bank right now until we end up finding more stuff. But I, I usually have three to you know five in-tournament bets throughout the week, hopefully, so... Uh, the first one will, if I can find it on the board, will come in the Wednesday article. And then, uh, yeah, you can also find all the in-tournament stuff that I do over at Action Network. I try to cover some articles uh, from and matchups and things of that nature. And uh, as always, if you're not doing so already, be sure to check out my model over on Twitter at Tee Sports. And of course, you can download Spencer's model. You can play with it, rearrange, rearrange the weights, uh, and even... in bring some of his analysis into your own models as well. It's a great way to get into it if you haven't already done so. Nick, where can the people find where can the people find you this week? Yeah, it'll be on Action Network, uh, the Best Bets article coming out, I think Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, then on Wind Daily Sports, more of the DFS stuff. But on Twitter, it is at StixPix, S-T-I-X-P-I-C-K-S. And just want to double down again, use Spencer's in-play plays, or yeah, in-play plays. He has been on fire all year long. It's something that just keeps me afloat. If guys like Taylor Moore don't go great this week, or if Kevin Roy gives us a letdown last week, Spencer's in-play stuff has been lights out all year long. So just, you know, want to want to pat his back a little bit more there. He's being modest, but yeah, tail those for it. sure. And they're all free on the Action Network. No reason not to check them out. So be sure to swing by. You can find it online or at the Action Network app as well. Uh, you can find me, as always, on Twitter at Roberto A213. I'll be on Stream 4, the featured holes for PGA Tour Live's coverage this week. The whole week, I'm there with Richard H. Lee. Excited to get into it with him. Haven't worked with him before. So it should be a ton of fun at a designated event. Great field this week in Charlotte. So that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Links and Locks, presented by Bet365. For more great golf content from our Action Network team, check out our Best Bets episode from earlier this week featuring Jason Sobel and Ben Everill. Those two look to stay hot. They both had Tony Finau last week, so can they converge on the same outright winner again? You're going to have to check that out on their Best Bets podcast episode here on Links and Locks. Be sure to check out actionnetwork.com and the Action app for all of our great golf betting and DFS content. You can find us on Twitter. Nick is at Picks. Spencer is at Tioff Sports, and I'm at RobertoA213. Thanks again to everyone who makes this podcast possible, especially our producers Noah, Sophia, and Matt. And thanks to you, the listeners, for tuning in this week and every week. And here's to hoping you hit the green in Charlotte. Action. 
Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.